the 7th of March, 1665. His Majesty's ship London was a magnificent sight as she sailed down the Medway from the Royal Dockyard at Chatham. Carrying some eighty guns, she was one of the largest ships in the Navy, and the Admiralty expected her to play a crucial role in fighting the Dutch. War had been declared two weeks before. She was the flagship of Admiral Sir John Lawson, and would sail up the Thames to collect him from Queenhithe, after which she would join the rest of his fleet in the Channel. HMS London had always enjoyed a special relationship with the city after which she was named, so the crew was looking forward to taking her there, relishing the opportunity to show off her exquisitely painted woodwork, bright new sails and gleaming brass cannon. There were three hundred seamen aboard, and those not on watch had contrived to be out on deck, proud and trim in their best embroidered jackets and snowy white trousers. There was also a smattering of passengers, a few of the Admiral's relations making the journey between Chatham and Queenhithe as a treat. They would disembark in the city, after which the ship would revert to a fighting machine. The festive ribbons that fluttered from her masts would be taken down. Her crew would exchange their smart shore-going rigs for working clothes, and all would be battened down, ready for combat. Captain Geoffrey Dare, in command until the Admiral boarded, ordered the mainsails set, and London heeled over as the wind caught her, a sharp bow wave hissing down her sides. He was glad to be away at last, although he was concerned about the failing light. He had intended to get underway at dawn, but there had been some wrangling over paperwork with the dockyard's commissioner, and it was noon before the matter had been resolved. Wind sang in the rigging as London picked up speed, a joyful sound that drove the petty frustrations of the refit from Dare's mind. He smiled. It was good to feel the deck alive under his feet again, and although he knew the king and his privy council were insane to declare war on a powerful maritime nation like the Dutch, he was eager to do his duty, and at least they had had the sense to put the Channel Fleet under Lawson, not some clueless aristocrat who had never been to sea. The admiral might be a rough-mannered, salty-tongued braggart, but at least he knew his way around a ship. Thoughts of Lawson reminded Dare of the two large chests that had been brought aboard earlier that day. Did they really contain the admiral's base vials? As Commissioner Pett had claimed. Dare had been astonished to learn that Lawson was interested in music. No matter how hard he tried, he could not imagine that gruff old sea-dog engaging in anything so cultured. He had challenged Pet about the weight, too. The boxes were extremely heavy, and he was unconvinced by the explanation that Lawson had purchased a new kind of instrument made of metal, so they would not lose their tone in the damp sea air. But the Admiral's luggage was none of Dare's business, especially now when the ship was under way and he had duties to attend. He bellowed a complex stream of orders that changed London's course as she flew out of the mouth of the Medway and into the Thames estuary. She responded immediately, like the good ship she was, and he was pleased with both her and her crew. The Dutch would not know what had hit them, when HMS London met them in battle. 
Her motion was different once she was in less sheltered waters, and she began to pitch and roll. Dare grinned when several passengers made a dash for the rail. Normally, he would have tacked immediately, but the wind was capricious that day, and to the east lay the Nore, the hidden, shifting sandbanks that had brought many an unwary ship to an ignominious end. Wisely, he deferred until he was certain the danger was past. He happened to glance landwards as they passed the little village of Prittlewell a low huddle of cottages strewn along a bleak, muddy shore. Fishermen and their families had gathered on the beach, tiny figures who brandished their hats and waved joyously. Some of the crew waved back, as did those passengers who were not retching 